Let's go to 1st John in chapter 2. 1st John. We're picking up from last week on that precious celebration of the day of Pentecost. Talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ended with needing to spend the rest of our lives stirring up that gift that's in our life. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. And today we're picking up in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to read a good passage here from verse 18 to verse 29. Starting with verse 18. It is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Verse 20. But you... Look to the person next to you and say, but you, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is in the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Verse 24. 1 John chapter 2. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. <laughs> So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness 
has been born of him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we just ask that you would just speak to our hearts today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Picking up from last week on the gift of the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves in 1 John, and it tells us here in this book of 1 John that in verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. You have been anointed by the Holy One. Who is the Holy One? By the Holy One. Say, everybody, you get all nervous when a preacher asks a question from the stage. I'm like not asking you to like scream it out or raise your hand or anything. You can just say it a little loud, but you have been anointed by the Holy One. Not with the Holy One, but by the Holy One. Jesus is the anointer. Somebody say, Jesus is the anointer. All right, now if I ask you the question, you'll be able to answer with a little bit more confidence. Who have you been? Who is the Holy One? <laughs> All right, there you go. See, it was an easy answer. You're like, man, I should have just said that. You have been anointed by the Holy One. When we taught on last week in Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they all were in one accord, and the Holy Spirit was poured out among them, and tongues of fire, and speaking in other tongues, and power of God came and filled them. Jesus is the one who poured out the Holy Ghost that day. Jesus is the one, as the Holy One, who anoints us. And I want to just take a moment now and begin to understand just a little bit from the Word what this anointing is, being anointed by the Holy One. And it's, it's an interesting word that, that's a little hard to say when you see it for the first time, but it looks like unjuent, <laughs> but it's really just unwent. And the anointing, meaning unguent, or one that we hear more oftenly, smearing, this smearing, and that gets a little bit more interesting in a moment, but unguent, or smearing, is this special endowment of the Holy Spirit. So when you were anointed by the Holy One, you were smeared or this special endowment or anointing with the Holy Spirit, with an unction, a power from the Lord. When you look at unguent, and it's spelled, it's an interesting word you can add to your vocabulary, U-N-G-U-E-N-T, spelled more in my, you know, layman's dictionary, I would spell it U-N-G-W-E-N-T. Unguent. I actually put it in my nose to help me remember spelling it, just to help y'all out a little bit. You see, we all just working through this thing. Unguent is this simply defined as this soft, 
greasy, viscous, somewhere between solid and liquid substance used as an ointment and also used for lubrication. Ointment, oil, greasy, lubrication, all these different facets of unguent that is a product of being anointed by the Holy One. So Jesus comes and starting on the day of Pentecost, now accessible to every believer. Say it with me, every believer. Every believer who opens up their heart to Jesus now has access to this anointing by the Holy One. And somebody who's excited about that, say amen. amen. It's, he makes all the difference in our Christian journey. Now let's look at Jesus for a moment. Jesus is the Holy One. Jesus is the anointer. But Jesus himself, prior to his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his glorification, Jesus himself was anointed. Jesus himself had the unguent. He was unguented. That's not a word. I looked it up. But we're going to use it anyway because it's fun. Jesus was unguented. He was smeared. Same way, a little bit different. His measure was infinite. Ours is in proportion to faith and how God pours out in our life. Jesus immediately, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, Jesus immediately had access to every functioning and every gift, functioning in all the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we said last week, every believer has access and the ability to move in every gift as the Holy Spirit so pours out and works in our life. Jesus was anointed, where it says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power. So again, Jesus was unwinted, smeared with this unction from on high. And in Acts 10.38, from there, he went about doing good in healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Think about this. Jesus, even Jesus, we could say, lived a pretty quiet life up until the point that he was unwinted. Jesus lived a pretty, we don't hear much. I mean, we know the story. We know what we hear. We hear the birth. We hear the, the situation at the temple when Jesus had to be about his father's business. But, but outside of those two encounters, we don't hear much about the life of Jesus until he was anointed from on high. Amen? Once he was anointed... I believe it's safe to say that everything changed. 
everything, even in the life of our Savior, the perfect Lamb of God, no need for salvation because He was perfect, no need for forgiveness because He never sinned, yet being fully man, He went to that river Jordan, and when John baptized Him in water, at the same time, our Heavenly Father baptized Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything changed when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. Now, one mistake that we as people can make is that we tend to depend on man's ingenuity, or you can even say man's creativeness, and and I I believe man is very creative. Just in our core being of people, we are very creative because we are made in the image of God, and God's a creator. He's a creating God. But sometimes we can depend upon just man's creative nature, our ingenuity, our, our just the smarts that God has given us, we can mistake that for unction, anointing, unguent, or being smeared with the Holy Spirit. We can look throughout history, and I think we could probably come to a, a unified conclusion. The one example that's, I'm sure, overused in the Word of God, but the Tower of Babel, this great feat of mankind that obviously was not a result of the anointing. It was a result of man's ingenuity. It was a result of man's creativeness that God had placed within mankind. We can look throughout history and we can see nations Many nations that have been raised up. And of course, God puts all authority into place. But we can see nations that have become powerful and great nations have done mighty feats and mighty wonders. We can see technology and and creations that that have taken place. And we can come to the conclusion that, that that's not all as a result of anointing. That's all man's ingenuity. That's God putting in man the ability to build, the ability to create. When the anointing, the smearing, and the unction of the Holy Spirit comes upon us as the men and women of God, we are anointed to be useful to God. We are anointed to be pliable. We are anointed to be knowledgeable. We are anointed to be powerful. There's a lot of other reasons why we are anointed, but this just being some of the main categories, if you will. The Apostle Paul, before being anointed, on that road to Damascus, he was a smart guy. He sat under the best teacher. He went to the best school. 
He'd memorized all the scripture and he took all that in. He was a smart guy. And then all of a sudden, one day on the road to Damascus, boom, he came into contact with the anointer. A couple days later, the anointer sent someone to him to pray for him, and he came into contact with this being smeared with a holy person. Because when we're anointed, we're not anointed if, uh, normally we have the oil right here, but we're not anointed with just this, this tangible greasy substance that that we use as a means of praying for people but when we are anointed by the holy one we are anointed with a holy person this is where it gets really fun see the holy spirit he's not a he's not a greasy substance that would be kind of rude wouldn't it I mean, calling the Holy Spirit greasy. I don't, don't, don't do that in your prayer life. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're so greasy and sticky and somewhere in between solid and liquid. All that's just to give us a, a visual and to kind of help us to understand some spiritual truths. But in 1 John 1.20, it says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One with all knowledge, in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We are anointed by the Holy One, and we are anointed with a holy person. Are you all following that? By a holy one, with a holy person. It's not, it's not by a holy one, with a holy oil. A holy person. We're anointed with a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about this unguent in this Smearing, oh, this could get fun real fast. But we're talking about the Holy Spirit being smeared all over every aspect of our life. Here's the thing about substance, whether it's water, whether it's oil. I mean, when you jump into a swimming pool, do you dictate where the water goes and what it stays on and what it stays off. It'd be pretty hard to, you know, like if a child has a, a bobo and, you know, I, I want to go swimming so bad, I just don't want the water to get on my bobo. So, you know, they try to jump in and keep their arm above water like that. I mean, they, you're hard-pressed to try to keep that water off of someplace in your life. Even more so, I mean, take a, take a can of WD-40 and... Begin to, I mean, the whole reason we take that can is that we go over to those hinges or whatever it might be and we begin to spray it because we know 
that that oil is going to work its way down into every little squeaky spot in that hinge. And maybe, just maybe, then the baby will stay asleep. Amen, baby. You're still waiting. <laughs> did I not do that yet? I still, I, well, I did it before, and I still have to do it again. Yeah, yeah. That was my repentance to my wife. I still haven't oiled that door that keeps waking up Elias in the middle of the night. But maybe you take that oil and you put it in there, and the baby stays. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the smearing of the Holy Spirit comes and penetrates every aspect of our life. It's kind of like with, with my child who, for whatever reason's in here right now, I should bring him up here and totally use him as an illustration. Seth, you want to be an illustration today? No? All right. Oh, his back's still hurting. And it's way too much fun at retreats and everything. Come back all burnt and back, needing a back brace. But it's like when I take Seth or I take one of my little ones and I say, you know, oh, daddy's just going to, I just want to kiss you. I just want to kiss you all over. Just, and I just start kissing his, his forehead and then his cheeks and everything until finally, as you know, it become the kissy monster. Until finally, finally he's like, dad, enough, stop. I'm like, no, I don't want to stop. I want to smear you all over. I want to just kiss you. I got to stop doing that at some point in their life. I don't know where that cutoff is. It's probably somewhere around like 8, 9, 10 or something. I don't know if I can still do that to Annabelle. But it's a smearing with love, smearing with saliva, smearing with spit, stinky spit all over them. I make sure they get full of it. It's not like just, it, I don't do pucker kisses. I don't, that's not daddy. I mean, it's like, belly and cheeks and, and they're like, ugh. You want me to do that? You want to do an, you want to do an illustration? You want me to do that right now? You want, no. It's a smearing. The Holy Spirit, we're anointed by the Holy One with the Holy One. And He comes into our life and He begins to smear with His love, with His power, with His giftings, with His knowledge all over our entire life. Somebody say amen. Try to say, oh, oh, Holy Ghost. It's like... I'm going to jump into the pool, but I don't want this part of me to get wet. Well, Holy Ghost, you know, I'm jumping in, but, but just leave this part alone. No, no, no. You jump in. The Holy One anoints you, and you need to prepare for that, that oil, that ointment, that, that unction to penetrate every part of our lives. Even with knowledge, as we said a minute ago, the Apostle Paul was so smart, and then he got, he got unwinted, and then he's like, oh, all this that I learned is but dung, yet to know the excellencies of the knowledge of Christ. 
I mean, the Holy Spirit coming into our life, he actually, he makes us smart, but smart in a whole different way. He gives us insight that we never had before. He, he gives us heavenly understanding that we were void of. He allows us to begin to move in certain spiritual giftings that we never knew existed. He makes us smart, but it's not, it's not a smartness depending upon our own brains, intellect, how hard have I studied, but it's an unction that comes from on high. I want you to think about this for a moment. We all have people that we respect, people that we learn from, whether it's in your professional field, whether it's with your hobby, whether it's with family. We all have people we learn from. Many of our people, if you're like me, especially in the you know, hunting and fishing, YouTube. I have one or two of my you know, YouTube people that, that I tend to, to learn from. But think about this. Think about that person that you respect, that either you have learned from or you're continuing to learn from, whoever it might be. You can go with a, you can go with a big name, you can go with a no name, you know, go with somebody just worldly wisdom, smarts in the world, Elon Musk, you know, I don't know whether you think he's smart or not, or, you know, some of these other guys, Donald Trump, you know, whether you think he's smart or not, you know, some of these guys. Now imagine this. Imagine on your phone, you had speed dial to that person. And not only did you have speed dial, but they said that person whom you respect and who you want to learn from, that person who you'd want to, you want counsel from, like the people in our life that we're supposed to be getting counsel from, you could speed dial them at any time, night or day, and their commitment to you was, I will answer the phone. And I will answer whatever question you have. I will offer you counsel on whatever it is that you want to ask me at any time. How many of you would use that? If you could call, you know, well, i got to be careful with I was going to say the president. But, you know, if you someone might want to call president before, they might not want to call it, whatever. If you could call that, that, that smart, knowledgeable, wise person at any time, and ask your questions, because I'm a question asker. Look out if you get me started on questions. My uncle tells me, he says, man, you can, you can wear a sucker out with asking questions. I'll ask, I'll ask a question, and I'll just get myself all, like, I'm 10 questions in, and they, like, stop responding, you know? Stop responding on question one. I'm like, dude, where's my answers? I'm looking for answers. But here we could call that person. That person would be there answering us every question. doesn't matter if you had 100 questions, 1,000 questions to get the counsel we needed, to get the knowledge we needed, to get the patience we needed, the power we needed, to be able to make right, anointed decisions in life. I think we would all utilize that speed dial as much as you could stomach as much as you could say to yourself, well, hopefully they don't think I'm completely wacko by now. That's our access to the Holy Spirit. We have this access anointed by the Holy One, anointed with 
a holy person. And our third one is so that we are led into a holy way. In John 16, 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, just like when Jesus stood up on that great day of the feast and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the spirit because the spirit had not yet been given. Jesus kept pointing us towards the giving, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promise and the gift of the Father. When the Spirit of truth comes, John 16, 13, He will guide us into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. So many men and women of God, yes, men and women of God, We struggle at times and maybe too many times with hearing and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not talking about intentional sin. I'm not talking about compromised lifestyles. I'm just talking about getting up and having to pray through things and having to follow the scriptures and having to follow the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading us because we are anointed by a holy one with a holy one to be led into a holy way. Simple stuff, right? In the spirit of truth, he comes and he leads us. Do you see that? The spirit of truth, he comes and he guides us or he leads us into all truth. You can ask yourself the question when you're, when you're seeking his face, when you're abiding in him, which we will get to and end in just a moment, when you are abiding in him, in order to follow his leading, in order for him to guide us, we need to be a people who are abiding. Everybody say abiding. It's a beautiful word and it's a beautiful access, privilege that we have. But when we're asking ourselves these questions, all we have to do is go back and ask ourselves with the, the help of the Holy Ghost as we're abiding, as we're praying, as we're praying in the Holy Ghost, as we're praying through scriptures, as we're worshiping in prayer. We just go and say, His way is holy. His way is holy. You're wondering if you're going to be, if you're being led in the, guided by the Holy Ghost or being led into His way. We ask ourselves, is this the holy way to go. It sounds a little SS, right? A little super spiritual, but it's not because that's why we are anointed. Amen. I'll amen myself. Amen, preacher. That's why we are anointed. Is his way, is this way holy? Because we can then ask ourselves, Is this way lowly? Is it the lowly way to go? 
Because his path is going to be the humble path. The path that he's going to guide us is not going to be the one that, that puffs us up. It's not going to be the one that makes our head so big we can't fit through the door any longer. It's going to be the lowly path. So his way is holy. His way is lowly. In his wisdom is heavenly. Meaning, when we say heavenly, again, this all seems just a little bit, a little bit high in the sky, but it's really not. When we say his way is heavenly, means that oftentimes it's going to defy the logic of man. It's going to defy what, what our flesh would want to justify in being the right way. It's going to come out of the scriptures, off the, the pages of scripture. His wisdom is heavenly. The Holy Spirit, the Holy One whom we are anointed with, He does not hold out on us. Amen. He does not hold out on us when we are seeking His face seeking his guidance and abiding in his presence. A promise he made is the promise he gave. Right there in 1 John chapter 2, 25, and this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. The Holy Spirit is given to us as that seal he comes and seals our life. He comes and guides our life into all truth so that we will not be led astray. And you have to know that he's there for a reason because in verse 26 it says, I write these things to you because of those who are trying to deceive you. There's always going to be those. There's always going to be systems. There's always going to be opposing Forces that are trying to pull us back into some other mindset, some other way of living that is not the way of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He says, I write these things to you, verse 26, because of those who are trying to deceive you. Those who are trying to deceive you. Do you feel at times like you are trying to be deceived out there? Does anybody else feel like that? Or is it just, is, is the word just kind of making up some things right here? Like you are, there are people, and it's not always individuals, so we don't have to try to like pick on an individual or try, oh, who's he talking about? No, no, no. The system, the world system, the, the spirit of the Antichrist, the tools of the Antichrist, those individuals that are in our life that are trying to get us offended, keep us offended, separate us, all these, all these can count for. He has, I have written these things to you because of those who are trying to deceive you. There are always those there were always things and powers and cultures and mindsets that's battling against the things of God. 
Those whose motives are wrong. Those who either knowingly or unknowingly are being used as a vessel of Satan. Their methods are identifiable because their methods are fleshly. Their cause is always justified. Their clothing, as my wife mentioned to me the other day, it's an interesting one. Their clothing is as sheep's clothing. Look at the person next to you and say, sheep's clothing. Their clothing is as sheep's clothing. Their strategy is to get others with them, the systems of this world, the the people who are trying to come against the things of God, the people who are trying to pull us away from the things of God, the body of Christ. Their strategy is is to get others to join their pack because wolves like to devour using pack mentality. But their clothing is as sheep's clothing. These are things that we have to be aware of where 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, all that we've talked about, this being anointed by the Holy One, with a Holy One, with an unction, an unguent, a smearing, an empowerment. It's because there are those who are trying to deceive We engage our hearts, we engage our lives in this battle that we're in. It's a different sort of battle. It's not a battle that's that's now picking up sword or picking up gun or going out with our our gloves on ready to, to duke it out. It's a battle that's won through seeking and abiding and praying in the presence of God. This is where The altar is where the house of God, our secret places in our homes is where the battle is won with the people of God. This is where the battle is won. There's a a fight for our souls happening every single day. Some creeping into houses of God all over the world and and others just we go about without engaging in the battle and and the the philosophies and the the strategies and and all the the motives of the world just come and, and just seep. They just seep and seep and seep. The battle is won in the abiding in Christ, the seeking Christ, the praying at all times, praying continually. You think, oh, well, that's just for the spiritual ones. No, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. Whether it's your secret place, in your home, at your place of employment, in the house of God. 1 John 2.27, and then we're going to have the Lord's table today. But the anointing that you have received, and listen, this is verse 27. This is right after verse 26. 27 comes after 26. You see, I'm pretty smart there. This is verse 27, right after verse 26. And 26, it says, I write these things to you so that you will not be deceived. Verse 27 says, but 
the anointing. The answer to deception is the anointing. The power of God, not the power of your brain, not the power of self-discipline, not the power of, of being learned and knowing, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, about everything, the Holy Spirit poured out in our life makes us wise with a heavenly knowing about all things. Doesn't make us a, doesn't give us some sort of paper of a, whether it's a, a doctrine of this or that, but it gives us a heavenly wisdom, gives us a knowing in the spirit and identifying with other people's spirits. It gives us empathy and compassion, teaches us about everything and is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. Abide in him. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on to verse 28. Now, little children, abide in him. He tells us, abide in him, and then he closes this chapter with, oh yeah, abide in him. When we talk about abide, we can look at three different categories of abiding. There's abiding in place, there's abiding in time, there's abiding in condition. When it says, abide in him, and now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. Abide in place is to stay, to tarry, to continue, listen to this, continue to be present. Don't clock out yet. Don't clock out yet like, like your shift's over. You're clocking out, work's done for the day, I'm, I'm, I'm clocking out, I'm going home, I'm turning off. Not when it comes to be not deceived, I'm writing these things to you. So abiding him, place, stay, tarry, continue to be present, time, continue, endure, as to not perish. So as it pertains to time, it's enduring it's enduring, as we always heard, enduring the test of time. We endure. Time is enduring. Abiding, it's enduring through the test of time and condition. We talk about condition. Condition, you can look at it as the condition of your heart, the condition of your life, the condition of your relationship with the Lord. Condition is not to become another. One of, the, one of the hardest things to, for churches in general, not just pastors or leaders or, or congregants or members, it's hard when people change. Hard when, when, when hearts become hardened. What hearts that were once pliable and soft, it, and all of a sudden, there's 
hearts that become hardened. And we're not going to get started there today. But when it's talking about abiding, abiding keeps us from becoming another. It keeps us from changing and becoming maybe that person we used to be. Maybe, maybe some completely other type of person. Abiding in condition. Abiding in the presence of Jesus. Abiding in our walk with God. Abiding in worship. Abiding in the Word. Abiding in pressing into times of, of prayer and intimacy with Christ. Keeps us from becoming another. Little children, abide in Him. With that, I'm going to invite the gentlemen and ladies prepare the Lord's table. Worship team, go ahead and come, please. Let's go ahead and just, as they prepare that, just open up your hearts. Close your eyes just for a moment. We'll give them a moment to prepare. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, even right now in this place, in this house, Lord, we're abiding, Lord, in you. Thank you, Jesus. We're abiding in you right now, Lord. Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, are drawing every man, woman, young man, young woman, child, into intimacy in your presence, Lord. Helping us, Lord, to stay and to tarry. Helping us, Lord, to endure the test of time, Lord. Helping us, Lord, from becoming something else, someone else, Lord. But being pliable. Being pliable. You know, the, the anointing, some things I didn't say about that anointing. I mean, that anointing, when He is poured out in our life, you know, <laughs> He makes tight places a little easier to get through. <laughs> you can follow me. Tight places, hard times, hard times and tight places. He, he empowers us, not only on the power side, the enduring powerful side, but, but even on the practical side, man, we become, we become more pliable. I mean, we become more slippery, but in the best way <laughs> to get through tight times, hard times. The unction of the Holy Spirit poured out by Jesus in our life empowers us in, in spiritual ways and in, in practical ways. Lord, we draw near to your presence today, Lord. We're so thankful that you make it so easy on one hand to be able to approach you, Lord, to be able to come and once again touch you and to find ourselves abiding with you, Lord Jesus. If you're in this place and you just need to wash your heart, you need to just find forgiveness today for a wrong heart, for sin in your life, for wrong decisions that you've been making, just take a moment right now. There's, there's grace, there's mercy.
just come before him with boldness and receive the mercy and grace that you need today. Just come before Jesus right now and ask Jesus for his forgiveness. He's he's ready, he's willing, and he's able to forgive, to offer a cleansing before we partake together of the Lord's table. Lord, we just come before you, Lord, with all of our wrong motives, Lord, with all of our wrong attitudes, Lord, with with any secret sin that's happening in our lives, Lord. We, We come before you. We ask for your forgiveness, Jesus. Jesus, we ask you for your forgiveness. We ask you for the smearing of the mighty Holy Spirit in our lives, empowering us to turn, to turn, Lord, to turn from these ways and to walk with you, God. Empower us, Lord. Empower your people, Lord. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. We give you all the glory, Lord. We give you all the honor in the mighty name of Jesus.